Our scripture reading this morning will be from Ezra chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. Ezra 3, verses 10 through 13. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they sat the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites of the son of Asp with chime bells, to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by chorus in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers, who were ancient men, that had seen the first, first house, when the foundation was, was of this house, was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice, and many shouted aloud with joy, for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. Good morning to everyone. We do have uh, several visitors with us. We're grateful for your attendance here. It is our goal, a very simple one, to follow the Bible as God would have us. And so this portion of our worship, we honor God by studying, preaching, and learning, refreshing, encouraging us with His Word. Our text begins this morning with Ezra chapter 3, as was just read for us, and appreciate that. The young men shouted while the old men wept. And we see that there in verse 12. A little bit of background of what's happening here is because of Israel's refusal to abandon their idols, God has delivered them into Babylonian captivity. The Babylonians were a powerhouse nation at that time, strong and taken Israel captive. And it was to last, Jeremiah tells us, for approximately or for 70 years years these folks would be in captivity. The time frame of this is 605 BC. Now as this process begins, 586 BC, remember we go from big numbers to small numbers coming up to Christ. Israel rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, and as a result, Nebuchadnezzar destroys Jerusalem, he destroys the temple, he destroys all the furniture in the temple, he takes all the goodies the gold and other precious uh, metals out of the temple for himself. For the next 70 years, think about that for just a moment, these folks live in captivity. They are the slaves to the Babylonians. As a matter of fact, many of them would have been born in captivity, and that's all they would know, and we'll bring that out here again in, in a minute in just verse 12. Now, the Babylonians ruling along comes a man by the name of Cyrus, and he is a Persian, He goes in and he defeats Nebuchadnezzar, and in about 538 B.C., he gives permission for the Israelites, this is the children of God, to return to their homeland and begin rebuilding the temple. Our text before us this morning, beginning in Ezra chapter 3, records in verse 12 that they shouted aloud for joy. But you also notice in verse 12 that they wept with a loud voice. What exactly is going on here? Because it's the same event that is taking place 
And you have one group that is weeping and one group that is rejoicing. Well, it's a perspective of what is going on. And this morning, the Bible holds the answer to that question. Same event, two different responses. The aim or the goal this morning is, how does that apply to us today? What does it mean for us as a church today to learn from Ezra and the folks and what is going on? The young men shouted, the old men wept. God has something for us today here if we are willing to listen. And by our presence, hopefully that is the goal. We're going to consider three things this morning. Number one, we will consider the ghost of the past. Number two, we will consider the gifts of the present. And we will conclude this morning with the glory of the promise. Now, the glory of the promise, we'll move over to Haggai chapter 2. But for now, look again in Ezra chapter 3, verse 12, the ghost of the past. What is it, number one, that they remember? So you have a group. Now, you notice Seth said ancient men. Does anyone know what that means? These are older folks. And they're remembering some things from long ago, some good days, if you will. They remember that first temple. They remember the grandeur. They remember the gold. They remember the glory and all that encompassed and was about that first temple that had been destroyed. You see, they remember the old days. You ever hear someone say that? I remember back when. They remember the old days when the temple was one of the wonders of the ancient world. A sight to behold. They remember a temple that if built today would cost billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. Does anyone know really how much a billion dollars is? I need to do the math again, but the last time I checked, if you spent about $1,000 a day, the day that Jesus died on the cross, right now, today, you still will not have spent that billion dollars. That's a lot of money, isn't it? And it would cost billions upon billions to build the temple. They remember, the ancient men remember what it used to be like. They remembered a temple that housed the Ark of the Covenant, something special, and the mercy seat. They remembered the tablets that were in there given to God, uh, excuse me, given by God to Moses containing God's law. They remembered the glory cloud filling the first temple as 1 Kings chapter 8 teaches us. They remembered a day when Solomon's temple was literally the house of God. Number two, what they realized in remembering these things, they understood that this new temple would never be the same again. Haggai chapter 2 verse 3 teaches us this. They could see that it would be much smaller. They knew that they did not have the resources to build it as it once was the ancients also realized that all the things that made the first temple precious remember what i mentioned a while ago the ark the contents of the ark the mercy seat the glory cloud were forever gone now mind you brethren and friends this was of their own choosing rebellion against god resulted or these were the consequences of their decisions their risk this realization broke their hearts and so we learn there in verse 12 that the ancients bitterly wept. There are many with us today, right here this morning, who remember the glory days of the church. The church at one time was the fastest growing body or group of religious people 
known uh, at that time. They remember a time when the word of God and the house of God were held in high regard by all. They remember a time when even the fear of God was in the community and there was a respect if you were a Christian. Do you remember those days? Looking for those older people going, yes, I do. You're thinking, I wish we still had those days. They remember a day when pulpit and pew were filled with the spirit and power of God. A zeal, a passion, a great joy to be a Christian. They remember a time when God's presence and his power were manifested in the Lord's church. Souls were saved. The saints shouted for victory. And the church enjoyed God's great power. You think, well, what are you getting at, preacher? Well, many of us today think almost that the church is in survival mode. That we're hanging on by a thread. That we're barely in existence. And we become discouraged. Those who remember the good old days look at the modern church with a broken heart as they long for the things of the past. There are many who are haunted by the ghost of the past. What I mean, you could set up a Bible study, you could go and study the Bible, you could see someone like a sponge soaking in the knowledge of God's word and respond in obedience to God Almighty. Whereas today... To even get someone to discuss the Bible is a great challenge. I do not remember many of the things. One, I wasn't living at that time. I'm getting older, but I, maybe not quite that old there yet. But I've read stories. I've heard the stories. My heart aches for a return of simple, more powerful days through gospel preaching and Christian living as the Bible calls for us to be. I don't know that I've ever been in what would be called a real revival. We're just people by the wheelbarrow full, if you would, responding to the gospel, getting their light right with God. We too that are not classified in the ancient are haunted by the ghost of the past, by hearing those good stories and and what it must have been like and how wonderful it was. Who wouldn't want to return to those days? The ghost of the past. Point number two this morning is seen in verse 11. The gifts of the present. Following the same sub-points again, what they remembered. They sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord. Because he is good, his mercy endures. And that number were even more people, as you continue reading through verse 11 who did not remember the first temple. They weren't alive during that time. All they had known was captivity. They had no idea what the old temple looked like or what it must have been like. All they remember is a life of bondage in a foreign land. Many of these people had been born during this time, but what they do remember here, according to verse 11, is how God and his power had delivered them from bondage. Hopefully we can see the mindsets being developed now. A group that remembers how it used to be and a group who this is all they have ever known. They could not remember the first temple, but they were thankful for what they had. Verse 11, they also see, we also see what they realized. These young people could not remember the old days, but they could remember the new day of opportunity that is before them. They had been set free and they wholeheartedly embraced it. Can you imagine being a captive 
being a slave, and then all of a sudden being given your freedom. What that must be like. These young people had no frame of reference concerning the old days, but they were excited about what God was doing in their life today. And so you see, brethren and friends, the application is real easy. Are we? Let me just ask us this morning. Are we excited to be here this morning? I'm not asking for cartwheels down the aisles. That's not what I'm getting at. But we woke up with a passion, a desire saying, this is going to be a great day. I'm going with my family, church family, to worship our Heavenly Father. Or was this just another Lord's Day? Another Sunday? Another day that we go and do some things that are a little bit more important than Monday through Saturday, but it's become Monday. It's become routine. It's easy to let the fire go out. It is easy to err on either side of this scenario that we have before us this morning in the rebuilding of the temple. Some people are so caught up in the past. They're so caught up in the good old days, they cannot get excited about what God is doing today. Still, there are others who are so willing to embrace the newest trends, the newest methods, that they forget about what God did and how he worked yesterday. You're seeing a call for balance, for understanding the scripture. The bottom line is this, the past is gone forever. We cannot go back and change it. And we know that we live in the present. We need to look back and learn what we can from those days. Be encouraged by those days, but we have to live in the here and now. Does it mean that we must change to fit in with the times? Does it mean that we need a new Bible? Does it mean that we need to scrap our hymnals for praise courses? Does it mean that we need to replace preaching with worship drama? Does it mean that we must lower our standards? To accommodate the world. Does it mean that we need to be more seeker friendly. So we can attract big crowds. The answers to all these questions is no, no and no again. Brethren we cannot compromise the word of God. I'm not trying to be all fussy this morning. But we are living in a day of compromise. We're living in a day of taking the path of least resistance. We're living in a day where. We're more concerned in our appearance unto others than we are before God Almighty. We are set our course to do the will of God and let God take care of us and knowing that victory will be ours in the end. What does it mean that we need to look at how and where God is working today and to be thankful for the opportunities that he is giving us? You see, we can become trapped in the past and totally miss out on what God is doing today. Or we can get so caught up in the modern trends and methods that we fail to recognize our God does not change. What he was doing in our great-grandfather's day, in our great-grandmother's day, our God is still doing today. Let us not forget that. Our God is still saving souls today the way he did in our great-grandfather's day, through obedience to the gospel. The power is in the word, Romans 1 and verse 16. That is, at least in my humble opinion, a good thing, a blessing. Brethren, it is not in us. It is God's word that convicts the heart. 
We don't need to come up with fancy things. We simply preach, teach, and live the gospel. I could add, we breathe the gospel. Our life is God. Here's a problem with these viewpoints, these two that I'm addressing this morning. The problem with the ancient reminiscing in the past and this new age, if you will, here in Ezra, is they both squandered their opportunities to faithfully serve God today. You see, they had laid the foundation of the temple, as we read. They'd been released from captivity. Cyrus says, you know what? Go home and build your temple. But the work was halted. For some 15 years, they went about their lives, their own houses, and they did what they wanted to do. Isn't it amazing how human nature does that? You would think after 70 years of captivity and being released that they would get this house in order, but no, they're more interested in themselves. For 15 years, the house of the Lord stayed unfinished. Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. All those who were fondly looking back failed to move forward toward the things of God. All those who had been so excited about what God was doing in their day failed to carry out the completion and service to God. Do you see what I'm trying to get across this morning? Does Matt see what he's trying to get across this morning? Rather, we can sit looking back to the past, looking to the old days, dreaming of the way things used to be, and get absolutely nothing done for the glory of God. Not only is that a danger upon our own soul, it's a danger upon the future of the church, the younger generation. What message are we, you notice I included myself in that older generation now, what message are we sending to the young people? Do they see us in love with God Almighty? We can get caught up in the latest movie, the latest book, the latest trend, and fail to do anything for God. Either one is a shame. Either one is a waste of time. Either one misses the very point, the very being of our existence. We are not here to look back and we are not here to jump on the latest bandwagon. What they should have done was put their backs to the work at hand and not let the Lord's house lie in ruins for another 15 years to rebuild that temple and get about the business of serving God Almighty. Instead, they were sidetracked by their own agendas. Oh, how these agendas sidetrack us, don't they? Little things all of a sudden become big things, then they get in the way, and we find ourselves not being an effective servant for God Almighty. God help us to do what we have been called to do, to edify, to evangelize, and to be benevolent. Brethren, we cannot go back 100 or 200 years ago in the great revival times when people were responding in droves. We cannot go back to the church and live in that time. Now, neither can I nor will I embrace everything that is being promoted today, though, in the modern age. Here's what we can do. You ready? We can bow before God. We can commit ourselves to Him and do so while we still have time. John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus is having a discussion with the disciples. And he tells the disciples there that he must work while it is day, for the night comes when no man can work. For every one of us here this morning, the night is coming when we will no longer be able to work. We need not be caught up in what 
it was or what it could be, but live in the moment for the glory of God Almighty. Now turn your Bibles with me over to Haggai chapter 2 for our third and final point this morning, the glory of the promise. Haggai chapter 2, we won't read every verse, but the section is in verses 1 through 9. As I said, 15 years had passed. Work on the temple had not been completed. God raised up the prophets Haggai and Zechariah to go and let's just say prompt the people, to encourage them, to urge them along. He used these people to stir up Israel, to get them motivated again, to get them started. It was a difficult time for both the young and the old. Remember, the old people, what's wrong? They're sad because it's not like it used to be. The young people, we learn, are discouraged by the attitude of the older people. Now, as I stand before you this morning, I have no one in mind here specifically about who's the grumpy old person, you know, discouraging the young people. There's, I, I don't know that I've been here long enough to even know that. This is preaching in the Bible and what we find in God's word and showing what a bad attitude can do to someone else. In the midst of this turmoil, God is going to use Haggai the prophet to bring a message of hope and encouragement to all the people of Israel. And brethren, I stand before you this morning and say that God is still giving that hope. We need to examine ourselves and see where we are in light of that. We live in a day when many are discouraged, when many are wondering about the relevance of the church in the modern world. Others wonder what the future holds for the church of God. Haggai has some words of comfort for all of us. Look in verse 4. He has the promise of his presence. Look there toward the end. He saith the Lord and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord. This temple may not be as great and grand and glorious as the first one, but I am still here with you. We have that same promise today. Matthew 28 and verse 20. Lo, I am with you always. Things may not be like they used to be. This is for, as the Bible says, the ancient. The not so young, if you will. They may not be like they used to be, but the same God who moved his people then is still alive today. Do you believe it? Does it fire up your bones to know that our God is very much alive? And working and concerned and cares for each and every one of us. Look at verse 5. We have the promise of his peace. According to the word that I covenanted with you, which you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. What are those last three words? Fear ye not. God encourages them to fear not. That can be a challenge, can't it? Need I only mention today and what's going on in our world about fear? We need to be cautious. We need to be careful. But fear can defeat us, brethren. Fear can defeat us. He is still with them and his peace will keep them as they serve him. Thanks be to God. Offered in our prayers today that in the midst of trials and afflictions, labors and activities, in the midst of our serving God, we have his presence And peace to sustain us. Philippians 4 verse 7. Look at verse 6 with me now. We have the promise of his power. 
For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Shaking some things. What he's saying there in verse 6, he's reminding them, look, I am still in control. Regardless of how things may look, I am still in control. You know, it looks like evil is just running rampant in the world. That it's out of control. It looks like Satan is having his day. But I would remind us, each of us, that we serve a God, the God, who is still on the throne and has all power. Matthew 28 and verse 18. Praise be to God that this is still true today. If you need a little bit of motivator, you think, well, I don't know, Gibson, there's a lot going on. Eight souls entered the ark. Eight souls. Imagine how wretched that world must have been in that time. There's more than eight precious souls in here this morning. Verse 8, the promise of his provisions. I know I skipped verse 7. I'm coming back to it here in just a second. Verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Some were concerned about the expense of the project. Now, there's nothing wrong with being concerned about it, but letting it defeat you. Now, that's a different issue. Others were concerned that the new temple lacked the gold and its former appearance. God reminds them here in verse 8 that he has all that they need. God reminds us today, Philippians 4 and verse 19, that we have all that we need. Do not despair. You know, you look at these mega churches, contemporary music, fleshly worship, the lack of doctrine. That seems to be the end thing and popular. And you see these groups of quote unquote religious people into the hundreds, if not thousands. And you think, wow, brethren, God has not forsaken us. God does not leave us. He knows what we need in these days and he will protect the remnant. He will provide all we need in his own time and his own way. That's what he's reminding the people here. After all, what do they have in resources? They've been captive for 70 years. God says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide. It's easy to preach, but do we believe and live it? Now, verse 7 and verse 9. I want to put these two together because you have the promise of his potential. Look at verse 7 with me. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former. Did you get that? This latter house is going to be greater than the former. Saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. A day when the desire of all nations would come, verse 7. A day when the glory of this latter house will be greater than the former. We have a reference here regarding Christ and his church. Years later, this new temple was remodeled by Herod. And into that newly remodeled temple... Walked our Lord, our Savior, the Son of God, Jesus himself. The Lord came to that temple and he fulfilled the words of the prophet here that we are reading. He came to Solomon's temple in the glory cloud and he now walks into this temple in the flesh. What does that mean for us? What significance are we to draw from that for us today? How do I go out and live that in my life? 
we can look back with envy on the days when God moved in great revivals. We can long for the old days, but the fact remains, brethren, we have a privilege that those that were reading about Haggai did not have or enjoy. Jesus did not come back then to get his church, but he might come in our day. Jesus came in Acts chapter 2 to establish his church. In Matthew 16, 18 and following, we have Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, upon that, I'm going to build my church. God has called us out. The very idea or essence of the word church. As bad as things may look from time to time, let us remember our Savior could come for his church at any time. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. You think, wow. Now, depending on your perspective, not whether you're ancient or whether you're young. Rather, whether you are Christian, whether you are saved, or whether you're not a Christian and you are lost. You're either getting very excited about it with a joyful noise, with a joyful excitement, or you're getting very excited about it with a fearful dread. And know that before you leave this building, before you leave this auditorium this morning, if you have that fearful dread, and rightfully you should when you stand against God, you can change that today. You can change that this morning. You can get into a right relationship with God Almighty. You can live your life looking back. You can live your life longing for what others have. But we have seen this morning the ghost of the past, the gifts of the present, and the glory of his promise. We now have how we handle any situation that we face here and now. We can seize the opportunity that God is giving us to do a work for him and watch him grow us for his glory. And that day the young men shouted while the old men wept. And our day may we all recognize that God is looking for a people to give him the glory, the honor. And if we will, then all those P words we mentioned, peace and provision and protection and providing, we granted unto us. I cannot go back to yesterday. I cannot embrace everything done in the name of religion. But I, but we can recognize the opportunities we have been given today. What do you say? Are you on board as we go hand in hand and labor together for the cause of God, for his glory, knowing that should our Lord return today or somewhere else down the road, we shall have an entrance into heaven. If you find yourself falling short of that, we would love to study the Bible with you. Show you what God would have you to do. If you understand those things and have drifted, come back before it's everlastingly too late. If there's anything we can do for anyone, please come while we stand and while we sing.